talk to me with Liv Harrison, the stories behind their success. So growing up in northern Louisiana came with its pluses and its minuses, the pros and the cons. All right, the cons were tornadoes because it was north Louisiana. And there was many, many a night I spent inside a bathtub. (laughs) But the great part about where I grew up was my parents had bought three and a half acres of land. Maybe it was three. I don't know. I was a kid. What they did with half of an acre is they made a quote unquote garden. Now, this thing wasn't a garden. It really wasn't a farm either. But my father had a real like John Deere tractor with the plowing tools and the whole things that he drug behind it. It was legit. And so was that garden. We had corn that was as high as, I don't even know, way taller than I was. I mean, it was at least six feet. Big watermelons. We had strawberries, tomatoes, eggplant. It was phenomenal. This thing was so big that my mother, who was the oldest and still is of 10, would bribe her brothers and sisters, the younger ones, to come and help us harvest at the end of summer. I loved when my aunts and uncles would come to help harvest. It was a blast because we would spend all day out in the sun picking, gathering all the fruits and vegetables. And then we would sit under the carport and my mom would bring fresh Kool-Aid for the kids and fresh iced tea for the adults. And we would sit there and we would we would snap green beans and we would shuck corn and we would do all this great stuff and just talk until the evening would set. And then we'd have a big meal and it was fantastic. And what's interesting though, is that today I will not, or okay, I rarely will buy corn that still has everything on the outside because I have such PTSD of shucking corn. When you get those threads, those silk threads that are around a corn cob, stuck in your teeth, behind your knees, on every chair and surface, you learn to just buy clean corn. You know, you're like, this is why we have grocery stores. And I appreciate it. But what's interesting is that we moved from Louisiana the summer before fifth grade. It was the summer before I turned 10 years old. And I didn't realize how much I was going to miss that quote unquote garden and that big John Deere tractor and my aunts and uncles in that warm Louisiana summer sun doing the hard work and the labor of getting all the fruits and vegetables and talking late into the night. I didn't know I was going to miss that. And we traded it in for an urban set and we moved to Houston and our backyard was just a pool. No more swimming in ditches for me. No more sprinkler systems that I would just run in and out of. And when I see sprinkler system, I mean the kind that's hooked up to a hose, okay? Not the fancy kind. We traded that in for an urban lifestyle in Houston with a great pool with a diving board and, you know, a nice little hot tub. But that was it. No yard, no nothing else. What's fascinating is my guest today, did the complete opposite. She moved her entire family from an urban setting to a rural one. And now they're on a farm. You might have heard of her because she's an author. She has a podcast. She has a huge online presence. This is the wonderful gal from Waco, the one and only Haley Stewart. Well, hello, Haley. How are you? Welcome. 
Thank you. So excited to be chatting with you. I am thrilled because here's the thing. We're basically neighbors because we both live in Texas. And for people who don't know, Texas is huge. It's a really big state. So even though I'm in Houston and you're in Waco, because it's so big, I would say we're basically like down the road. Like it's next door. (laughs) Like one day driving distance. Yeah, absolutely. Next block over. Yeah, totally. You might as well just be at my, yeah, like where my, where I get my mail. It's basically the same. So thank you. Thank you so much. I find your story really fascinating because in the intro, I share how I grew up in Northern Louisiana on three acres of land. And I grew up with like, my parents called it a garden, but my dad had to use a John Deere tractor to plow it. So I don't really know if you get to call (laughs) call that a garden. I'm like, dad, that's, I mean, a rake. Sure. That's a garden. Um, and then we moved, (laughs) (laughs) we moved to Houston. Your story is the opposite of that. Your little family, you were living in an urban setting and then you did the opposite and you moved to an actual farm. So tell me about that. Where were you living and where are you now? Cause I know Waco has buildings. I do know that. (laughs) Yeah, we've got a few. We've got a few buildings here and there. Um, So we were living in Tallahassee, Florida, in the city, and it was fine. It wasn't a nightmare or anything, but um, we were just feeling kind of stuck. We just had three babies right in a row, and we were coming up for air after intense sleep deprivation for about five years. (laughs) And my husband was working a job he really hated to get the bills paid. And things were just not like, as we looked at our life, we were like, this is not where we want to be forever. You know, we don't want him to be working 10 hour days doing something he hates for us to barely get by and feel like we're just constantly living this life we don't really want. But then there was this period of discernment of like, well, what do we do? You know, we can't just... (laughs) Like we don't have hundreds of thousands of dollars sitting around to just like buy a farm and try to be farmers or, you know, who knows? Oh my gosh. Um, Yeah. So, so we spent some time just like praying and trying to discern what, what are we supposed to do? We don't want to be here forever. So we're willing to take some kind of risk because we don't want to stay where we are, but also we would like to feed our children and stuff like that. So it was just like this period of time figuring out, okay, what do we do? We're in our late twenties. There's time to make a big shift, but not like tons of time. You know, our kids are going to be getting a little bit bigger and are going to be settled somewhere. So like, what are we doing? So um, then we decided to apply for an internship at this sustainable agriculture training farm. Oh, wow. So, Basically, the internship taught you how to do either produce or livestock for a year, and you lived on the farm. What? Um, so That's you didn't incredible. Really get, yeah, it's really cool. You you didn't really get paid, but <laughs> you could live there and get how kind um, of them? <laughs> room and board, you know. But wow. no flushing toilets. So it was kind of a pros and cons situation. You don't have to pay for rent, but you also don't get a toilet. So, you know. Wait, um, wait, 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 wait. How did you go to the restroom? Like, I don't, I live in plumbing, so I don't understand what you're <laughs> saying. <laughs> I have these horrible thoughts of you digging holes 
like in the back and putting leaves on top of it. Please tell me I'm wrong. It wasn't that, but it, I mean, it was not that far from it. So it was a no flush farm. They didn't have any flushing toilets on the whole farm. What? Um, and so it was composting toilets. Which there, I, I learned a lot about composting toilets. So You're I can tell you. Blowing my all mind. About it. Please there, tell me. I don't know. Kinds. Okay. So one of the kinds that they had at the farm is like, it's just, it looks kind of like a regular, I mean, it doesn't look like a regular toilet, but it's like got a toilet seat. Okay. And, and then it all goes way down underneath the building. And every few months, it all has to get scooped out. By a person, by a company, by a tractor, by a dog. By a person with a tractor. Like Um, by you guys? Or like you hire, like there's a guy that rides around Waco and he's like, hey everybody, I'm the pooper scooper. No, like the people at the farm. However, I do need to say I never had to do that job. Oh, Haley. I should should say that. Also, so there's (laughs) other kind, which we had. We lived in this little 650 square foot apartment with the three kids we had at the time. Wait, what? (laughs) Wait a second. A 600, what was in that? Was it just a room? Like it, and you guys laid on the floor like the Waltons? What is happening? (laughs) No, like honestly, this setup was pretty good for as, as far as use of the space. Okay. So there was like a skinny living room. Okay. And from that living room, you could walk into one bedroom or another bedroom. So the two bedrooms were off of this little living room. And then there's a little tiny bathroom, little tiny hallway on the side of the bathroom, and then a kind of kitchen slash dining room. In so it was 600? almost like this size. Yes. Kind of like a tiny little trailer or something is kind That's of the incredible. vibe. That is incredible. Wow. I'm impressed. So in our little apartment, our composting toilet was <laughs> Jim <laughs> Weiler came to visit us and she no. described it as the family bucket, which is the best description of it. Oh, so it's like, a, like literally gosh. a five gallon bucket with a toilet seat on top. And then you put sawdust in after you go. Haley. And then like <laughs> Every couple days, it has to get taken out and cleaned, which my husband always did because he loves me. Wow. Okay, you guys need to write a marriage book. Forget the book you wrote. (laughs) (laughs) Who cares about what you wrote? No one cares, Haley. This is the good stuff. (laughs) You you will be saving marriages because somebody's going to read this and be like, okay, okay, my husband... Oh my goodness. Now, wait a second. Our friend Jen, did she spend the night here or was this just a drive-by? Because she lives in Austin, which you and I frequent. Was she just driving by and needed to use the bathroom? And so therefore, okay, she so discovered this. She was not in town overnight, but she didn't stop specifically to use the restroom. She knew better than that. Oh like, she my knew goodness. This was not the place you would choose to go. But it was kind of a, well, while we're here hanging out, I should have this experience kind of situation. So let me ask you this. Did you make your own sawdust or did you buy it at a store? Because this is how much I don't know. 
Yeah, no, that's a great question. I'm trying to remember what our sawdust source was. I think that we actually got it like from, you know, the like big tree cutting companies that yeah. come by the road, like Osplund or like whatever. Yes, whatever yes, yes, yes. I think it was that sort of thing where that like guy. they had extra wood chips after this whole process and we could just go <laughs> the royal, like not even the royal <laughs> we. I'm not even doing this. Like, but someone who's helpful and <laughs> has things to keep the farm running, would go pick some up. That is incredible. So you lived here for a year. Did you find this farm, the sustainable farm learning experience on the internet? Like, were you in Tallahassee and you were like, listen, (laughs) we're going to Google and see what's out there. Because how did you even know this was an option? Does that make sense? Like, how did you even know to to find it? I went to Baylor in Waco Ah. and then Dan followed me out there. And so when we were in college, we would volunteer out at this farm. So you knew um, it. Okay, that makes me so feel better. We knew it. We knew some <laughs> of the inter... Yeah, because it's a little weird. And like, when we explain to people like, we're going to be moving to this farm. They're not really going to pay us. Other people live there too. There's no toilets. Like, it sounds a little bit... Like, people are like, is this a cult? I like, was thinking... Is, like, re- reality TV. I'm thinking you guys <laughs> missed your opportunity to be like your own show on Lifetime, but that's okay. <laughs> um, that gap, it, there would have been some TV gold there <laughs> during that whole experience. So you reach out and you say, hey, remember us when we were adorable college kids? We've gotten married. We've made people. We want to move back. <laughs> what yes. are the options? And they said, here's the deal. Yes. Okay. So when we moved on the farm, I think there were probably about 20, 20 to 25 other folks living also on the farm. Like we what? had our own little apartment wow. set kind of aside on attached to the communal kitchen. Um, but then there was like a whole dormitory building for singles that also had like apartments for families upstairs. And there's like these duplex up the road. And so there are a lot of people, um, which... I mean, as you can imagine, was good and bad, pros and yeah. cons. You know, it's really awesome <laughs> sure. to like walk out your front door and be like, does anybody want to babysit my children right now? And there's like a bunch of people. Who right. Your children. That's really it's cool. like, okay, sister wives. You know what I mean? Like it was like, <laughs> <laughs> it was an appropriate way to right. have that lifestyle. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, so there were things that were really nice about it. I mean, of course, when you've got a lot of people living together, there's always various there's problems. What? <laughs> people have personalities. That's but it was, shocking. It was a really great, like overall, very good experience, made great friendships. And I feel like, I learned a lot about appreciating different people's gifts and personalities. Um, Like there were people who upon first meeting them, I was like, I'm not going to like you very much. Like we're not going to be friends. (laughs) Like getting to know them and seeing like, Oh, you just don't respond to things the way I would, but you are really great to have around for this kind of thing. You are like a very kind person. You just come off this way. You know, it was a good reminder that first impressions don't really show you who someone is and that we need all kinds of people to run a world. And, you know, just kind of seeing different people's gifts come out where maybe you didn't see that as a gift before. You just saw that as really annoying, but you know, like it was, it was really good. Um, 
That's so overall great experience, great people, a lot of fun. Daniel was the official intern. So I was, you know, homeschooling three kids and mostly just along for the ride. Um, but it was, yeah, it was a great, great, great experience. That's amazing. And I'm sure what's so funny is that you didn't go to the farm hoping to get a human lesson on other humans. You're like, you know, you're like, oh, this will be great for sociology for our children. You went to learn whatever you went to go learn about farming. Which part of the farming did you guys actually dig into? Right. Because you said it, it could be the the either the actual like plants or it could be animals. Where did you guys settle? Yeah, so Daniel did livestock. Okay, so he livestock. Was, Thank like, you. I live in Texas. I know that word. <laughs> you're fine. You've heard of 4-H, you know. You, I'm you in the city. <laughs> um, so yeah, so he was doing pigs and chickens and wow. cows and um, goats. So it was really cool, um, especially for our kids who were six, three, and two at the time. Um, cause we could, Dana would text us and be like, the goat's having her kids and we could walk up the road and watch baby goats be born. Um, wow. it, was just really, it was really neat. So the kids are still like, I want to move back to the farm. You know, they like really loved it, which is funny. Cause you would think that it's like, Hey children, you have a house and now you don't have a house. You have this tiny apartment with no toilets and they're just like, <laughs> It's great. There's pigs, you know. No, but that makes sense, actually. It's like how when you buy a present for your child, your toddler, and they play in the box like for mm-hmm. the like the entire time and they love the box and you're like, why the flip did I just pay two hundred dollars for this Fisher Price, whatever? And they just love the box, you know. Children love that. I think that's fantastic. So now you have this training and being a <laughs> farmer. <laughs> what are you doing with it today? Like, what yeah. does that look like now? So when the internship was over, like that was another period of discernment to figure out, well, what are we going to do? It was actually a huge bummer. When we moved to the farm, I realized like, oh, we don't get to live here forever. It's just an internship. Oh, because yeah. it was like such a long process of discernment to get there. Mm. That it was like, ah, oh, now we can relax. Actually, never mind. You have to leave in a year. What are you going to do? You know, it's just like, ah. Um, but we really love Waco. So, like, we knew that we'd like to stay in the area. And Daniel was actually offered a position at the farm. Oh, uh, wow. On staff after he completed his internship. So, for a while, he was doing that. And we bought a little um, tiny 100-year-old house in Waco. And then um, Joanna Gaines came and she renovated it, correct? Is that what happened next? Well, she didn't do a very good job on the attic. <laughs> That's where I'm podcasting from. Work. Get in there, <laughs> Joanna. What are you doing? My, my, my best friend, Joanna. You know, we're all neighbors here. We oh, all know I know you baby. are. <laughs> They're just always coming over for dinner. Um, oh, Joanna and Chip. <laughs> They're right. so silly. So then there were some just changes on the farm. They're figuring out some different things and he was offered um a different position elsewhere and so now he's at um now he's making whiskey which he loves so he works at balcones distilling and he's a stillman and makes whiskey all the time and i'm not a big drinker and i have access to so (laughs) much alcohol and i just think about like these people who really really love whiskey are like probably just out there somewhere hating 
for me <laughs> because it's not fair that I have this and they don't, you know? You're living their but dream. That. <laughs> but it was, it was good to see like, okay, from our experience on the farm, what did we learn about ourselves and what we want for our family and what we want for our life? So what do we want our next step to be? And I think what we discovered is that we loved being together as a family. We loved spending time outside. We loved doing um, work that was good in and of itself, not just because you get paid for it. Oh, that's so, interesting. That's really like, interesting. Moving how you get from paid. That, yeah. Yeah. Moving from that, we wanted to see like, how can we carry those things with us into the rest of our life? So one huge thing at the farm was everyone eats lunch together, the whole farm. Um, and then a lot of times people will just eat with their families for dinner, or maybe everybody will start grilling out and sit around and eat and chat and then talk while you're doing the dishes. And so I think we realized, okay, that's really important to us, like meals together where we take time to sit down and really enjoy each other. Like this is a really important part of our family life and what we want for hospitality. And so now my husband totally loves making whiskey and, you know, in some ways it's like, well, this looks kind of like our life in Florida because he leaves for the day to go do his job and we live in a house in a city but it doesn't feel like that because he loves what he does. And we've kind of structured our lives really differently um, or like oriented them in a different way than they used to be. So oh, that's awesome. Journey. Yeah, that seems amazing. So what year did you guys move to Waco? I think it was 2015. I think that's right. Was and you like were there through 2016? Mm -hmm. Okay. And right now is 2020. So you've been four years living on your own, not mm -hmm. in the internship. And you have, and you're still like, would you say that you're still getting these fruits from that time period of? Yeah, I think definitely so. I think it's also something that you have to kind of keep reevaluating. Okay. Um, That's You know, fair. kind of like <laughs> if, if you declutter your house, you're like, yay, my house is decluttered. And then it's like the next year you're like, oh, there's stuff everywhere. Like this is a continuing <laughs> process. Right. Like, I feel like that about our lives that like we keep having to reevaluate, especially as our kids get older, we're in a different stage. Things feel different. Okay. How can we still prioritize the things that we really care about? And even like being stuck in quarantine for a few weeks. Yeah. Like, oh, I think I like not being as busy. Right. Maybe we could, you know, I like that we're really slowing down to cook and we have time to bake bread and, these are things that we still want to do. And maybe we were running ourselves too ragged in the way we were doing things. And so I think it's always one of those things that you're reevaluating and trying to figure out. It's not like a one-time, one-time thing. So let me ask you this, because you have, mm -hmm. is that where you started is, is as a blogger? And now you're an author, you have a book, you have a great online presence. I, I love everything that you put out on social media. When did those things happen? What, what year did you become a blogger? What year did the book come out? Yeah. So I started blogging really just to put pictures on the internet for grandparents and to kind of document our conversion um, because we weren't always Catholic. So we were converted in 2011. Is that right? 20, 2011? No, 2010. So we converted in 2010. Um, so it was really just 
not like me trying to be a blogger. It was more just like a personal. Like a journal, like a like a digital journal for your family. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Oh, yeah. a web log. If you <laughs> you know. So I was just doing that but then was really enjoying the writing part of it. So um, when I started the blog, my son had just been born and then I started grad school in Florida. So we were in Texas, moved to Florida when our oldest was a baby and I started grad school and then promptly quit grad school after a semester. Um, (laughs) Like that's hard. (laughs) And then um, after that, this was really enjoying the writing part of it, which was unexpected. I haven't always been loving writing. Um, that wasn't so it was, your thing in school. Yeah. No, it was not my thing in school. I mean, I was I was fine at writing, but it wasn't like what I wanted to do during my free time. Like I would have thought that was weird. <laughs> You're um, like do anything but. <laughs> right. So really was enjoying that and just started spending more time on it and then just slowly kind of developed an audience there that was growing. And um, so, yeah, it just kind of was born from that. Organic. It was organic. Yeah. It was very it was very organic and not planned out at all, which is like most of my life. That's the best. No, but that's the best, though, because it, it really means that you're listening. You know, I, I talk a lot about developing your gut and learning to say yes and that risk, you know, about putting it out there. And I think that that's really great that you developed that and then it turned into this. So what year did, did your book come out? Was this before or after Waco, the book, when you moved this to was the farm? After. This okay. was after the farm. Um, so it was funny because I actually had some publishers reach out to me when I announced that we were making this move. Oh, and they wow. Were like, they were like, you should write a book about this. Would you like to write a book about this? And I was like, I have no idea how this is going to go. Like, I don't want to, like, Have you heard about the toilet? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I was just like, I don't want to go into this thinking, like, what part of book am I in? You know, like, it just seems, like, really, like, icky. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I get that. I was like, I don't want to do that. Yeah. That makes sense. I did not do that then. And then after we were done at the farm and I had had time to, like, process through what we had learned and all of these things. I, I'm a big proponent of not writing when you're in the middle of something. That's fascinating. And, and not just, writing. Like, letting it simmer. While in the middle of something, let it simmer. That's really great advice, though. Is that because I'm going to take a guess? I don't want to put words in your mouth. Is that because of the emotions that are wrapped up when something is happening? Or is it for another reason? Why you should wait? more just for clarity okay um that I think a lot of times I I I don't think that everyone has to do this by any means but I think (laughs) I'm a slow processor okay that's Um, fair and so it's like I need time for my brain to just work through stuff until I know what I even would want to say and so I didn't want to write a book just because we'd done something weird (laughs) that's a great reason not to write something though because you want to make sure like look let's just not do the weird factor maybe it's a blog post but is it actually a book right and so I wanted to wait to see like do I have anything that I really would want to say you know do I have anything substantial here um and so it was after that experience I guess 
the book came out in 2018, the end of 2018. Wow, it's so still a baby. It was a while. Yeah, but it was a while <laughs> after after the farm. Um, and it was also while we were on the farm, I guess, when we were on the farm is when we read Pope Francis's Laudato Si encyclical about care for the earth and a lot of things oh. that were kind of overlapping with our experience. Sure. So think on that and let that simmer and then kind of bring those things together um, for the book. That's really cool. So... I love that. I love that that you had an you were influenced by Pope Francis and his writings and what was going on in your life. Obviously, not a coincidence to then be inspired to write the book. So let me ask you this question. When you did finally make that decision to move from Tallahassee to Waco, what had to quiet down in your life in order for you to hear the voice of God, in order for you to hear him? Because we all have things that tug on our hearts, right? And sometimes it comes up a lot. But what did you finally have to just shush <laughs> mm-hmm. to really, really hear that voice and say, okay? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, our experience was interesting because we really felt this tug to do something different. And we had even kind of settled on this farm as what we wanted to do. But we weren't in a good financial place to really make a move right then it was just like all this all these feelings of discontent but no like open door to move forward and so we were just kind of stuck for a while um and it was really frustrating and so then my husband was like i feel like i just need to pray for contentment oh where we are so like pray i'm going to pray for contentment content with what we have right now, because there doesn't seem to be any path to take right now. And so um, we also that. started to get to know St. Joseph more because I, we're converts. So we're like still getting to know all the saints and St. Joseph <laughs> was like guy at that, like this was our guy. Um, and so my husband prayed for contentment and we just tried to really focus on doing, making small, tiny, positive changes that we had control over, even though we didn't feel like we had control over the big things. So you made small changes over the little things that you could control. That's brilliant. I love that. So like we got backyard chickens and we tried to really be intentional about sitting down and eating together and like really being intentional about the time we did have, even though we still didn't feel like we had enough, you know, just doing those things. And it was soon after that, that just doors started opening. Like our parish offered my husband a part-time position to help with the youth group. And so we were able to save all of that money to put towards a move. And just like all of these things started opening up. My writing had made like zero dollars for several years. Suddenly it was making actual American dollars. (laughs) save that. And so it was just like all of a sudden we we felt like we were beating our heads against the wall and nothing was working. Huh. And then we were just kind of resting in the fact that we had no control over anything and asking for contentment. And then that's when everything opened up. So it sounds like that you had to quiet down your discontentment in mm-hmm. order to then and finally that like our also our timeline and like our our ideas for how it was supposed to go mm. all had your to expectations. Kind of, mm-hmm. 
which I feel like is huge in other parts of my life, sure. like, like parenthood. <laughs> like I have all marriage of ideas <laughs> yeah. about like how my kids are supposed to turn out and how this is whole experience is supposed to go. How's and that going? It's <laughs> like super frustrating. It is. Yeah. And so every time I feel like I make any progress in motherhood is when I, by God's grace, am able to somehow be receptive to a plan that isn't mine. Mm. And like, then things go so much better. Um, I love that. Because I'm not fighting against my own expectations that just aren't, it's not reality. Okay. So, so your expectations had to mm-hmm. quiet down in order for you to hear God's expectations. Yes. And then yes. you were receptive to that. And then mm-hmm. that became your reality, which I'm guessing, because I'm a fan of God, that his expectations are far beyond what you could have even imagined, even though it wasn't the way that you thought it would be. Yeah, and now absolutely. here you are. That's incredible. I love that. Like, I feel like I feel like that all the time about like my writing career and just various things where it's like, well, I didn't plan this at all. Yeah. But this is really cool or like this is really exciting <laughs> and it just showed up. And um, yeah, just being receptive to that and then being trusting during times where nothing I try to do seems to be working. I love that. Haley, your story is so fantastic because I think what you're saying about giving things over to God and us getting out of the way for me personally, that is huge because I am constantly in God's way. And he's like, if you could just stop, that would be fantastic. (laughs) Not that I wouldn't fight him on the toilet situation. You are a much better person than I am, (laughs) But, but I love your story. I love that a book came out of it. You have an incredible online presence. You have a podcast and I want you to share where can people find you the name of your book, all the things. Drop all the things, Haley. I want everyone to come and fall in love with you like I am. (laughs) So the blog is carrotsformicklemas.com, which is such a mouthful, but (laughs) I started it before I knew anything about blogging. So sorry, I'm too lazy to change it. So it's carrots for Micklemas is spelled like the name Michael and then M-A-S. It looks like michaelmas.com. The podcast is Fountains of Carrots. The book is The Grace of Enough. And then um, you can find me on social media. I think almost everywhere I'm Haley Carrots, except for Facebook. And then I'm Haley Stewart. <laughs> Perfect. Basically, just put in the word Haley and Carrots and you're going to pop up. <laughs> You'll find me. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Haley, thank you so much for coming and sharing all the things with me today. I would love to have you back. If you're ever open for it, maybe your attic will be finished because obviously Joanna and Chip are going to show up and uh, (laughs) fix that for you. So yeah, I need I need Joanna to fix the AC up here. There's none, (laughs) and I have a window cracked, but I love it. This summer, oh friend, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Everybody, go check out Haley. Thank you. I'll talk to you soon. Bye, friend. Thanks so much. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to Talk To Me with Liv Harrison, the stories behind their success. I really hope you come back because I am so excited about this podcast launching. 
please make sure that you're subscribing. I would love for you to share on social media, share with your colleagues, your friends. If you could leave me a review or even a rating, especially on Apple Podcasts, I would be ever so grateful. Here's the deal. These next few weeks, as I build up an audience, it's really important for me to get those ratings and reviews and subscriptions. So please share and please do those things. I really promise that I'm going to bring you fantastic content and you're not going to want to miss my next guest. I sure know that. So until next time, I'll wait for you right here. Bye.